This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up. When all somebody can offer you as a politician is a list of people to hate, a list of things to ban, and then they want to tell you which group to blame. That's because they don't have any real ideas. So I really laugh at these people, to be honest. <laughs> I think that is the best answer I've ever heard. A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. Two unlikely friends take on the world. Hello, welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. I'm Dan, I'm not gay. He's James, he's gay. Very gay. Very special guest today, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta. Woo! He ran for the US Senate last year. And if he had been successful, he would have been the first out gay man and the first out LGBTQ plus person of color ever to serve in the U.S. Senate. Yes. Spoiler, obviously, Dan just said it didn't happen, but it's amazing what you have done. And obviously it didn't happen this time, but how are you feeling about it? Really good. You're right. We didn't win this time, but I think we accomplished so much in terms of, you know, pushing the needle, shifting that Overton window, expanding, um, I think, people's conceptions of who can be leaders at every single level of government. We had a great, you know, premiere of the of the documentary uh, produced by Al Roker, Seven Knots Productions, Expedition Media, um, premiered BFI Flair in London. It was my first time and we had an incredible premiere to sold out shows. Yes, I love interviewing Americans. The admin is just flying out of your mouth. It's like, plug, plug, plug. We're getting it all done. Let's have a chat. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. When people close their eyes and say, Senator, a picture of me does not come up in their head. And that's the problem, right? Like, that's the problem. When people say to you, oh, you won't get elected because you're gay or you won't get elected because you're black, <laughs> what is your response? It's really nonsense. And I think it betrays two things. First, it suggests that any white person from a small town in Pennsylvania, of course, they're racist. And, you know, just remind people, that A, that's pretty offensive, and then B, just look at the score. Barack Obama secured more votes in Pennsylvania than any person ever running statewide in Pennsylvania by a lot. And when you look at what we were able to do in our campaign, being massively outspent, we completely overperformed our polls, overperformed, I think, every expectation, and frankly went on after I lost the primary to be the most active surrogate for Democrats across Pennsylvania. We had some pretty historic uh, victories this term. So we made a lot of progress and people elected candidates from across the political spectrum of the Democratic Party. I think what people want are candidates who are speaking honestly and authentically to, to their needs, to their concerns. And, and we really did that, I think. You must have experienced a hell of a lot of racism and homophobia, not just when you were running for the Senate, but, but I'm guessing your whole political career, right? Clearly, you're, you're a, a strong person and you've just gone, I'm just not having that. How have you sort of found the strength to, to do that? It really doesn't take too much. You know, bigotry is a burden and it's not a burden I have to carry. You know, somebody's racism, homophobia, that's their problem, their fault, their issue, not mine. And frankly, you know, think about what these folks 
who are engaging in this ridiculous transphobia, this ridiculous attacks against drag queens. Like, just think about what it takes to wake up every day that constantly enraged. I feel very bad for, for, for these people. And I think the best thing that we can do is to live our damn lives, to be, to be happy, which is really the opposite of what they want. They want you to be just as angry and as small and as hateful as they are. No, I have a wonderful life. And as I say to folks all the time, our distinctions are our superpowers. They're not distractions. Um, I'm incredibly happy to be a Black gay man. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And frankly, I meet people every single day who don't give a damn what I look like. They want to know what I'm going to do for their lives. What am I going to do about the fact that they can't afford childcare or that their kid, right now in Philadelphia with two schools closed down because asbestos was in the school building. And there are dozens and uh, dozens of other schools just like that where we're sending our kids in knowing that it's not safe or rampant gun violence where we're burying far too many people or trying to stay in their homes. These are the real things that hateful political leaders, they can't offer you. And I'll just end with this. When all somebody can offer you as a politician is a list of people to hate a list of things to ban, and then they want to tell you which group to blame, that's because they don't have any real ideas. So I really laugh at these people, to be honest. <laughs> I think that is the best answer I've ever heard. Because there is so mm. much bullshit about trans people and drag in America right now. And and you're right, we're not talking about the, the real problems that are affecting our lives and it's ridiculous i wonder if you have any thoughts on <laughs> i love this guy i mean i shouldn't because he's full of hate but i wonder if you have any thoughts of lieutenant governor randy mcnally's thirsty comments on instagram oh randy and, and, and listen, if, you, if you don't mind can you explain the story to some of our uk listeners that may not have caught up on it yet yeah so um tennessee like a number of states has passed really uh, homophobic transphobic uh, legislation, including banning drag, uh, you know, performances. God bid, God forbid, somebody, you know, lip sync uh, Whitney Houston. You know, the world's gonna come crumbling down. But anyway, the lieutenant governor who was instrumental in getting this legislation passed um, has a predilection for going on and you know, making interesting comments on the profiles of very gay Instagrammers. And, and God bless his heart, but the problem is he wants to make other people's lives difficult who might want to engage in the same type of behavior he himself is very fond of. And this is really the, the hypocrisy and the, and, and the really ridiculousness of it all. But the Republican Party has always fought for the idea that they are the party of freedom. But look at what they're doing. Their entire agenda is making it difficult for people to access abortion, trying to drop, you know, block people from going to, you know, to drag shows, banning books, and being all around unhinged individuals in many political respects. Um, as I like to say, you know, these folks live full time on Fantasy Island. They used to visit, but they've really, you know, taken up shop. Among the posts the 79-year-old lieutenant governor reacted to this close-up of McClure's backside. McNally responded with three red hearts and three fire emojis, then commented, you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine. These people in the, in the, um, the modern Republican Party, they want to get rid of abortions, they want to uh, get rid of drag shows and, and all of this. How do you work with them? Because you obviously have to work with them day to day. Well, you know, I think you have to do two things. I do think that most Americans, and I think most people in the UK as well, um, as a baseline, you kind of want government to work, right? You want people to, um, you know, talk, stop talking past each other and actually center 
in their conversations and in their actions the real needs that people have because you know seriously you know it and i and i know it there are big problems that we need adults um to be focused on solving because i don't want to be a part of the generation where we say on our watch democracy died um i believe not only is the you know relationship between the us and the uk so um significant but our place in the world i think is really important to preserving some of these basic values and so i start from that place of trying to work together on the areas that I think strengthen our democracy in the long term. And frankly, there are some of those areas. And a part of what I say to people all the time is that so many of my Republican colleagues don't believe the nonsense they say on TV. And I don't know if that's better or worse. And I know that definitely most Americans don't embrace this nonsense. Um, they really don't. You look at a year where historically, because the president is in a midterm election, Usually that party does really poorly. Um, this year, Democrats did very well, actually picking up a seat in the Senate right here in Pennsylvania. And so when we stay laser focused on serious things, then it's up to the Republicans on whether or not they're going to join us on those efforts. And if they do, I welcome them with open arms genuinely every time. If they want to get serious about lowering costs for seniors or I'm um, doing something about inflation or looking at opportunities to expand loan and grant programs for people to buy that first home or start that first business, then I welcome it. You know, if you want to vote for good things with me, let's do it. If you want to engage in nonsense, we're going to take it substantively, but we're not going to take you seriously. And frankly, those people who do that are going to lose elections. You talked about how they um, don't necessarily believe what they're saying on TV. And in the case of like Randy, I just wonder if there are any other sort of U.S. senators or politicians that you know who are homophobic, who are actually secretly gay and whether you'd ever consider outing them. <laughs> so I never I never I never would. And, and, and here's why, you know, I actually. People say all the time, how did you come out? And I say, you know, I kind of didn't, um, you know, I was, I was out it. And I know that everybody's on their, you know, on their, on their journey. And I see my outing, frankly, as a blessing in disguise. I'm not sure if I wasn't, that I ever would have had the strength. There certainly wasn't the incentive, um, you know, to come out. But I came home one day and my mom had heard that I was gay. And I walked through the door and she's like, are you gay? And I was like, um... Yes. <laughs> she was like, get out. Um, and it took a while for us to rebuild our, our relationship. And thank God we did before she passed because she's one of the best people in the world. But I think like so many, you know, families, it takes sometimes having uh, somebody who you know and love to just see the humanity in every single one of us. And, you know, God bless the people who are on their journey. I would say, you know, jump in. The water is warm. It's always the right time to be yourself and to live authentically. And I think the best thing I can do is to really be example of the joy that's on the other side of their hatred. I'm sure folks like Randy, if he is in his heart of hearts, a member of the community, how much happier, excuse me, he would be actually being able to post the comments he wants to post and go to the you know clubs and build the relationships. Instead, he's had to live a life that's really a shell of what he deserves. And it's why all the time I say, I feel very sorry for these people more than I feel angry. We have to take their policy seriously, but we have to treat them, I think, with a little bit of uh, lack of seriousness because they've earned it.
you touched on your mum throwing you out earlier when you mm-hmm. when she found out you were gay and you grew up mm-hmm. poor in Philly. Do you think that those situations were they the catalyst for your activism? No, but it actually was another story about about my my mom who you know I lost both of my parents by the time I was twenty seven. My dad was a social worker. My mom was a home health aide, and they separated when I was pretty young. And you know we moved around a a, a bit. And I was living on one of the homes after my parents got separated, like the second place we lived. And it's on a new block and the block was dirty and it was a blight. And I came home one day and I'm just, I'm pissed. Okay, I'm 12 and a half and I'm angry. My hormones are going, my parents are divorced and I'm just, you know, a ball of angst. And I say to my mom, who's in the kitchen, she just lit a cigarette on the stove, okay? And I'm complaining about the block and she's looking at me and she said, you know what, if you care so much, why don't you go do something about it? And I was like, oh, okay, I thought you can give me a hug, but all right, tough love approach. And I ran for junior block captain, which was, you know, about organizing cleanups on the block and getting signatures for, you know, our block parties that, that we have where we shut down the street and people bring out their grills and food and everybody, you know, shares on the block and it's a big party. That moment was was the first time that I felt like, wow, what I have to say matters. And if something's going on and there's a problem, like I can do something about it. And that moment was a big aha moment for me. And, you know, I never shut up since then. People who want the status quo to remain get real nervous when they see one person step up. Because when one person steps up, it gets the other person who was thinking about stepping up. They say, maybe I'll step up too. What would you say to somebody who is like, I want to do something, I want to run for something, but I don't know, I don't know where to start. I don't know how it works. What would you say to them? Three letters, run. You just, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. But I would also, you know, really say to people, running for office is not the only way you can make an impact. Like what you all do, like seriously, is critical. You know, James Baldwin would say, you know, go the way your blood boils. You have to find the thing that you can't stop thinking about. Um, maybe it's helping facilitate powerful conversations like you do every every week, or maybe it's, it is running for office. Maybe it's supporting somebody in a campaign with a donation. Maybe it's writing an op-ed. There are a thousand different ways you can get involved. But I would say to people who are thinking about running for office, be very clear, elected office is a tool, right? It's not an end in of itself. You know, I ran for office because it put me in a position to address the things I wanted to address. Like who gives a fuck about the title? I care about, are we able to actually address things that I intimately understand when government isn't serious, substantive and focused on real people's lives? Bad things happen. And I think we can do so much better. We really can. Are you going to be president one day? <laughs> I sound like a four-year-old. <laughs> I, 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 my aunt has said to me, uh, stop saying no to stuff, because I never thought I was going to be a state representative. But that's that's not the goal. I will tell you, I love Pennsylvania more than any place in the world. I want to be a part of making it the best place to live, raise your family, retire. And, you know, honestly, I really came to the podcast to invite you to Philadelphia um, once we once we get the water situation figured out. <laughs> uh, thanks for the invitation to Philly. We will come. I've been a couple of times. I don't get you're going to hate me. You. You're going to hate me for this. Malcolm. I haven't been. But Tell me. I don't like the, the, the cheesesteaks. I don't get it. See, it depends on where you've gone. I hope they didn't send you to Pat's and Gino's, which is where they send all the tourists. It's a tourist trap. I say all the time, if you want a good cheesesteak, you want to find a local neighborhood bodega. The, the less the person behind the glass wants to engage with you, the better the food is going to be. <laughs> right? When you walk up, they're like, you know, what do you want? And they're like, 
barely listening. They're kind of half writing it down. They throw the sandwich at you out, out the window, and then you go out to the front of the bodega to pay. That is where you get that cheesesteak. But um, next next time, next time you come, we'll make sure you get a good one. I appreciate that. And can we also go to uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping? Yes. <laughs> The election had not yet been called when the president tweeted, Lawyer's press conference at Four Seasons, Philadelphia, 11 a.m. A few minutes later, he followed that up with a clarification, Four Seasons landscaping. It really is hilarious. But, you know, it, it, it reminds you again how, you know, how ridiculous, you know, even somebody like Rudy Giuliani, who, you know, even if you didn't, you know, love him, you know, he had a career that he should have ended with a level of dignity. Um, instead, he's ending his career with, you know, hair dye streaming down his face as he screams unhinged uh, absurdities out to the world. We'll definitely visit. We'll take you up on that. It would be really nice to meet in real life. Thank you for being on Again and On Gay. I guess we should end by asking you what you think of UK politicians at the minute. Any thoughts? You know, I, I followed the Liz Trust Lettuce thing with, <laughs> with great energy. Uh, Rishi seems to be doing a little bit better than you know than, than than that, but we'll see. I think I think both of us seriously, um, as close as we are politically and culturally, I think we have a lot of the same overlapping issues right now. And so, I feel just like I feel about U.S. politics, even in this moment that can feel very dark. I actually feel really hopeful, um, and I actually think when you think about a lot of what we discussed today and some of the nonsense from some big political voices and figures. Um, I think they're angrier and angrier because we're closer to the world that we deserve, closer to a place where no matter who you are, what you look like, who you love, that you can just be treated with dignity and fairness, that people can see you in your fullness. I feel like that world is possible and we have to keep talking about it, keep trying to build it. Because, you know, if you're cynic, there's always a job for you. There's always somebody who uh, loves to paint cynicism as, as, as intelligence. But you know what? Hope and perseverance is the only thing that's ever gotten big things done in either of our nations. So I'm full of it. I'm full of it. Wow. In the words of Randy McNally, <laughs> you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. New Twitter bio. Thank you so much. Our best fighters are going to always come from the people who know what it means to be left out and left behind. Do not wait your turn. Dude.